Hi, this is Deborah Ann Wool. Thank you for listening to the Children of Erte podcast, presented by Demiplane. You can join us live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv backslash RPG, or catch up with the VOD of each episode on the Demiplane YouTube channel. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Are we on the Erte? Yes, we are, because that is the name of our show, and we have switched things around a little bit here this evening, and I am hosting tonight. I'm Adam Bradford, the CDO at Demiplane, and we have got a special treat for our monthly after show. We have our typical and awesome host, Sam DeLev joining us tonight in the uh, what I called earlier, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, the hot seat. And then we have an equally hot seat for our producer, Josh Simons, who is with us here tonight. So I'm going to let both of you introduce yourselves a little bit, starting with you, Sam. Hello. Unfortunately, I am Sam DeLev, and I practiced for this position in the hot seat by sitting extensively. I am, when not interviewing this delightful humanoid and his compatriots, I'm a role-playing performer, variety streamer, and science communicator throughout the Twitchernet. I am not a goose. That part is slander. And Josh. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm the community manager here at Demiplane and also the uh, stream producer for this and uh, most other Demiplane uh, streams and video productions. So uh, say hi in chat if you see the name Demiplane RPG, because that's me. Uh, what I'm not community managing, uh, you can find me on the internet at Joshua M. Simons uh, or on my website, joshuamsimons.com. It needs updates, as every good website does, but I'm working on it. And just where everybody is completely clear on this, because I see the questions already coming in. Josh, are you producing tonight? Uh, yes, yes, I am producing uh, and also talking at the same time, which is... Um, something that I, I'm doing my best with. I bet you could chew bubble gum and walk in a straight line at the same time. I've done it, it at least once. Delightful. It would be delightful. Um, I am uh, going to go ahead and transparently throw out there, as I did in our development update this morning, that um, I'm struggling uh, a little bit with the uh, the throat allergy situation. So I am going to do my best not to descend into a fit of coughing as we are going here. Like I actually feel okay. So, so, you know, thank, thanks for the well wishes that I've seen out there. Um, just have, uh, you know, kind of that little irritating tickle in the throat um, when I, when I talk a lot. So I'm going to actually try to just prompt you all like a good host is supposed to do and let you all do most of the talking. And if I descend into that fit of coughing, 
I am very hopeful that I will be quick enough on the draw that I hit the mute button where none of you have to suffer through whatever happens with that. So we're, we're crossing fingers. Hopefully everything is going to be great. So we're going to jump right into this. If you have questions, be sure that you can, you can start asking those right now. I probably, because of the aforementioned throat issues, will be very welcoming to questions from you in chat uh, here tonight. So feel free to ask those. All you got to do is type the word question and then follow that by the question itself. And we have our magical demibot that is already collecting some, well, that was the test question. So it's at least grab the test question. But if you have questions, you can start asking those right now. And, uh, and, and we're going to get to as many of those throughout the show as we can. I need to talk about our sponsors a little bit, though, here. And first of all, we have Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. Thank you so much for the continued support. Idol Champions uh, is an incredible game. It's got some fantastic characters in, uh, in that game. I'm partial to, to several of them because, um, you know, in my fantastical adventures out there of D&D, um, I've had the privilege to, to meet, imaginarily meet them. And so uh, you should check out Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. We have an Electrum chest code on the overlay bouncing around in chat that you can grab. We also have Die Hard Dice. And so you can get 10% off an order with diehard.com and use the code Airte without the accent mark, Airte, and you'll get uh, 10% off your order there. We also have... I believe, and see, Josh keeps me straight on this most of the time. I believe we have a gift, uh, like a twenty uh, yeah. $20 off. Uh, $20 yes. off your purchase. Uh, giveaway will happen in chat any moment now. Perfect. So uh, keep an eye on the prompts in chat for that. And then we also have, are, are we doing Tailspire today? We're doing Tailspire too. Yes. Okay. Tailspire. So this is a wonderful 3D virtual tabletop experience that you can uh, check out. And I think we're giving away five product keys, like Steam keys for that. So keep an eye on chat there for those prompts as well. And thank you for the support, Tailspire. I have checked it out and it is really something else. So you, you should you should try it out. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of um, buzz about 3D VTTs lately. And Tailspire has been doing it for a little while here and they, they've made a lot of progress. So really, really cool. Check that out. And thank you again, Tailspire. And finally, it's not going to happen tonight, but we do have wonderful Sirenscape that typically provides music and sound for the show, a little bit of ambiance. And so thank you for that uh, Sirenscape because epic games need epic sound. All right. I think that's everything. I know, see, I normally do that in the episodes, but it's got an entirely different feel tonight, too, because most of the time it's like bounce from here, bounce over to me, then I bounce it back. Yeah. But di different feel, but but we, we got through it there. So thank you so much for all of our sponsors. I am going to start now with asking both of you. So, so this is going to be a question that is going to probably take up a little bit of time, but I want to explain myself before I ask this question because it is not often on a show like this. So, so typically you have the cast members on and we get to talk about the other players and the other characters that we're playing. It is not frequently that we are able to have somebody on the show that, uh, you know, kind of sees all of it from a little bit of uh, a different perspective. And so uh, I would love to dig into that a little bit here tonight. And so we got a question on Twitter and this would have been from, I want to make sure that I get the username right here. Yeah, this is from Maverick2. So thank you, Maverick2. 
recognize that username. And we ask, uh, well, I had it here. Now, here we go. What are your favorite moments of the story thus far? And then what is the most epic things our heroes have done thus far? So I want to mold that question a little bit differently, though. And I want both of you, and, and you can be brief here. That's fine. I want both of you to go character by character and, and think through what are your favorite moments so far for that character. Okay, so it can be an epic moment, it can be a funny moment, it can be a sweet and tender moment, whatever you want it to be. But what are your favorite moments for each of the characters? All right, and I'm going to start randomly from somebody. I've got like a picture over here. And so we are going to start with Feruza. So we're going to start with Feruza. And uh, Josh, I'm going to put you on the spot first. So, yeah. so what is your favorite Feruza moment to this point? You know, uh, it's funny because as uh, I was reading that question on Twitter earlier, I had a Feruza moment that popped into my mind. Um, the the side adventures of Feruza and Robin are, I think, some of the most um, like uh, comic relief, but also really heartwarming. Um, I'm thinking particularly uh, in the cave when they first met Steve. Um, uh, uh, there was something about that, uh, back and forth between the two of them as they're exploring and, uh, Robin is following Harold and Feruza's there like, are you sure? There's something in that dynamic. Um, uh, it was really cool. But I, I think Robin brings out a tenderness in Feruza that's really, uh, really like touching to see. I love it. All right, Sam, favorite Feruza moment so far. I love everything about the glorious and capital R romantic tale of Feruza and the moose. Feruza's adoration of that moose is, I mean, I'm soft for any character in any circumstance loving animals or deriving meaning, which I think is the thing about Feruza. Many times do we see, aw, it cute. Much more rarely do we see just a, a, a mammal that can and is inclined to wreck your entire lineage. And yeah. you like that. I, I feel in, a spiritual connection to you. I, I, I love it. And I, I think that, uh, you know, thinking about that moose, I think it, it is that moment of, you know, almost transference because like, now, don't get me wrong, Adam nor Silas has no clue what, if any significance this moose has for, for anything that's happening in the story, but no matter what, whether that was just a random thing, a thread that was, you know, put, put out there or whatever, Feruza has imbued that with a significance <laughs> that I think the rest of the party might even, you know, die for this moose, uh, you know, at, at this point. And I think that is a, uh, a really, really neat trick that has happened with both Deborah and uh, Alicia as she's been playing Feruza. Excellent. All right. So that is Feruza. Let me look uh, on the list. So next we have Maeve and uh, Josh. Uh, what? Well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna switch up putting the first person on the spot here. So I'm gonna go with Sam this time. Favorite Maeve moment. Ah. Oh. It is so cheap to say every time Jen encounters a puzzle. I, 
It is lovely to see a player transparently enjoy a particular activity, have a GM who's like a known specialist in the activity, and build a character who is inclined to do the thing that she, the player, loves. Every question about scenes, it's not, it's not even that there is a hero moment, it is the constant attentiveness. The just low level watching Maeve, I see what passive investigation is. That's an interesting um, outlook on that. I like it. Josh, what do you think? The, Sam makes a, a great, great point, uh, and, and I agree. Um, uh, in a similar vein, I think during um, the conversation between Maeve and this underwater entity uh, that I don't know if we actually really still know very much about it beyond, you know, a, a sense of what it might be. Um, it, it, it's really cool to see Maeve and Jen trying to play a game of intellectual chess with this great unknowable, you know, all-powerful being under the water and, and, uh, Maeve is going, okay, how can I push the right buttons to manipulate this situation in, in my favor? And I think it's, it's, it's fun watching Jen's mind at work. Um, it's also fun watching Jen talk about marine biology. And I think that was in particular like a moment where uh, Maeve had an opportunity to really shine a spotlight on some of Jen's human strengths um and they they shone through the character uh really really uh, in in a powerful way there i love it yeah and i think that if uh if there is a player you know that can duke it out intellectually like that uh you know jen, jen is just uh, so well suited for it and and i do like you know sam when you brought initially brought that up the um you know it, it's almost like Jen's face screws up, you know, it's like, it's, it's like this, uh, just like this marker that happens anytime we're presented with a puzzle. And Deborah does a great job of, you know, kind of disguising it. It's not like, Oh, Hey, here's a puzzle, you know, and, and she just drops it in lap. Like most of the time it's, uh, it's like, Oh wait, this is leading to a puzzle and the excitement and the, uh, I'll use the term intensity. That, that I see on, uh, on Jen's face is delightful. I love it. All right, um, let's jump into who is next. Uh, we've got a Neb, Neb. So uh, the cycle that we've got going here, Josh, favorite Neb moment? Yeah. You know, I, I think Lauren plays um, just, uh, plays the, the sensation of wonder so well. Um, and, and I think in particular, her description, physical description of Neb um, as, as she first uh, used her starry form underwater, and then kind of the following moment where we got kind of a glimpse into what uh, Neb was thinking in that moment was really, really cool. Uh, and um, 
a moment where a lot of the the you know kind of starry eyed wonder uh, uh, that we've gotten with with uh, Neb so far. Thank you, you get me. Uh, starry eyed wonder with Neb so far throughout the campaign. Really, we had this moment of uh, I want to say like payoff, and it's like oh wow, like no Neb really is something special, and and this experience is transformative in a way that she didn't even expect. Um, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I would say that in general, that, that emotion, but in particular, that, that moment under the water was, um, uh, just, just, I think a powerful Neb moment. Um, she, she brings this sense of optimism and hope that, uh, I think the party, um, really, really benefits from. And Sam, Neb oh. moment. Oh, yes. I think in a very different way from Jen, the past chapter was really a gift for Neb, who got more opportunities to be curious in the way that I think drives her character. It's like, we get plenty of Neb curious. It's just mostly if you don't provide adequate neb enrichment, the curiosity will be danger. But like we have a whole ocean and it's very lovely. Um, and so there were a lot of those beautiful opportunities, but my favorite moment was in the chapter, but just Lauren does comedy so well, just like very light touch, physical comedy as a, wild shaper and when she was trying to get in the gondola and was neb seal i just have this most vivid cracking up for no good reason to like scared the dog moment when she tried to open the doorknob with her flippers and her little nose but it's a doorknob and just the way that she just bounced and slid right off that was the most vivid mental image. She uses her wild shapes so well. And, but that moment just encompassed so many of the things that are so good about uh, Lauren and by extension, Neb. I think one of the things that I love about seeing Lauren play, especially this Druid, because I've played with Lauren a lot over the last several years. Uh, with various characters, first time I've seen her play a druid. And, you know, a lot of times I see people playing druids and they are thinking about, um, you know, what's the optimal wild shape? You know, they're they're doing their Google searches and, and figuring out, you know, what's the thing that has the highest hit dice and, you know, uh, and, and hit points rather, and, you know, all those things. But I think Lauren has done this fantastic job of you know, really marrying the flavor and and the atmosphere of what's going on with the story with the discovery of wild shape. Because, you know, if someone wild shaped into a rat or a seal, typically in many of the games that I've had over the years, that is not a momentous occasion. It is, uh, you know, they're, they're doing it just because they need to squeeze into something or because they need to swim or, you know, whatever it is. But, uh, but again, Lauren just makes that such a special, uh, you know, uh, th this just momentous occasion every time that that's happening. And so it's like every time that she chooses something new, even as a player, I'm just like, oh, what was she going to choose this time? Uh, so there's, uh, there's this antici uh, anticipation and excitement about that. 
All right, let's look at who is next here. So, um, oh, that's Silas. So, um, Sam, tell me what you love about Silas. <laughs> this one, oh, I mean, everything, obviously, of course, just a perfect, perfect character. No, um, but we as players have our backstory maybe that we wrote up for the character going in maybe a couple sessions in when we learn what they are we have all of these things that inform how we play the character and if we've done our jobs right we're pretty dang excited about it and we kind of want people who aren't us uh to know about it but there is an art to backstory exposition and you'll see people just salt bay little bits of backstory here and there, little hints, little references. But that's not who Silas is. Silas had this big, big secret, but he wanted to blurt so bad. And it just exploded out of him. And in any other character, the revelation in the mind of, of Silas Jordan's backstory would have felt like a player wanting to tell you what their character's deal was. But Silas needed his friends to know so bad. It was just a thing that in any other player's hands would have felt so inelegant. But with everything we had seen to the character to that point was wildly genuine. So ultimately what you're saying is I'm playing a character that is intentionally a blunt instrument where I can get away with just, you know, those kind of moves and it feels natural because if that's what you're saying, I'm very, very flattered because that's what I was going for. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Um, all right, Josh, what do you think? You know, um, this, this is really, uh, interesting one i feel like um because i think all of the like pop culture references really do a good job of reminding us even as we're on this fantastic adventure that these are people who came from the real world um and uh, you know th there have been some uh, really delightful references for me whether it's a song here or you know a movie reference there um, uh, I, I think back to, um, uh, there was a moment even before getting into the cave where hope as Miss Robin quoted one of the X-Men movies and Adam as Silas got so excited in that moment. And I was like, that, that really like, uh, I think does a good job of, um, uh, firmly placing the story uh, and the characters as, um, no, these are from the real world, right? This isn't, this isn't all just like high fantasy here. We're, we're, uh, very grounded, um, in, in the story being told. Um, and then also, you know, as a bonus, right? Sometimes there's like a really good reference or a really good quote you make, then I can turn it into an episode title, like <laughs> in blackest night or something like that. Perfect. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I was talking to, um, to Deb about you know, before we were heading into the show, one of the things that we talked about was uh, to give the world some kind of verisimilitude, because I think that like when we often play, especially if we're trying to be a little more serious about 
Um, you know, and again, seriousness doesn't, I don't define that as, as not fun, not funny, you know, uh, anything like that, but, but trying to take it seriously enough for that verisimilitude to exist that what happens at tables often, especially home games is people are dropping those references all the time, you know, because that, that, that's the, the humor and everything. And so uh, in some of those early discussions, it was about, you know, what if there, there is like a character that that's just how he thinks and um, I remember around the time um, that uh, Miss Marvel, uh, the Disney Plus series was coming out and her daydreams were being materialized uh, with the artwork and everything. I was like, yeah, you know, that's pretty much how, you know, Silas, Silas thinks about a lot of things. And um, and so I think that, uh, you know, that was that's definitely an intentional move to try to, as you said, anchor it that that, hey, we these characters are from this real world, but also give it a little bit of breathing room when it comes to, Hey, we're in the middle of this really tense moment and some a player drops one of those kinds of things, because it's the thing that we're all thinking when we're playing uh, that it gives, it, it gives like a reason for that to exist a little bit more readily. So, um, so yeah. Um, all right. And last, but certainly not least, I, I, I haven't forgotten anybody. Have I? No, it's last, but certainly not least Miss Robin. So, uh, Robin Beckett. Uh, so Josh favorite yeah. Robin moment. Well, there, there's the cheater answer, which is her list of past uh, professions, uh, which I'm not going to do, but th- that is the cheater answer. And it's so good. Um, right, we both automatically think it right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think there is something incredibly fun about playing a character who's like, I'm past my prime. I'm here to say what I want and just have fun. Uh, and and I, I think Hope in particular um, really captures the tone of um, this very youthful and lively old woman, but old woman none, nonetheless, who is on this adventure with a bunch of younger people and kind of naturally steps into this uh, kind of matronly role, but at the same time is also a lot of like the, the um, uh, I would say like some of the youthful enthusiasm of the party at the same time, uh, but it feels perfectly, uh, perfectly in character. Um, and it actually very much reminds me of um, when I was a very young child, there was this one grandpa who used to play with all the kids at church every Sunday, and she very much reminds me with Robin of him, who we'd be out there running around playing tag, and he'd be running around out there with us, you know, 80-some years old, in, in slacks and a, and a, and a button-down shirt, playing with the kids in the yard, uh, as opposed to, you know, having these uh, dignified conversations with the other adults. Um, and, and I think she just really perfectly kind of captures that um, carefree, uh, older party member very, very well. And I, I love, uh, you know, the story of uh, the gentleman playing tag because, uh, you know, clearly that is something that stuck with you uh, for a long time. Yeah. And uh, it's just it's the perception that people have that, you know, I am certain that there were adults around that situation that looked at that as undignified and childish or, you know, whatever else. But then you just never know. You know, if somebody's willing to become undignified, what kind of effect and impact can that have on on others when when it it, it is good for good purposes? You know, and so I, I think uh, and and Robin has definitely 
uh, you know, struck that chord, uh, you know, as, as hope is playing her throughout this entire thing. Like she's, she's willing to, uh, to be undignified. She, she's, uh, it's like, she's old enough to understand that's not important or something, you know, and, and it's just, uh, it's fantastic to see that playing out week over week. All right, Sam favorite Robin Beckett moment. I mean, everyone is favorite Robin Beckett. One of the beautiful things about this particular party is that each member individually has such a strong bilateral relationship with Robin. Like at the beginning of this list, we mentioned Feruza and Robin, but you can go through each person in the party and Robin, and there will be this respect and adoration and all of that. It's it's so well earned. Uh, but for me, it's when I saw in the past, in her flashback, some of what made her who she is, what like gives her that. And I know I'm, I'm alluding to flashbacks and backstory a lot, but y'all did an elegant job. It's not my fault. Uh, that when we saw the story at the flower shop with Harold and a freaking insight check that he was proud of her. I mean, that's that's just, that's just some dirty Ludo narrative resonance right there. <clears throat> is it getting and, dusty in here? Oh, it is. Exactly, and it's that person. You see that scene? You understand why she would chase off after a hummingbird. You see whence this kindness that motivates each of these bonds that each person in our party now could feel something for this person that seeing who she was and who she is now is such a perfectly clear line that then we un like i as an audience member understand why every single one of y'all love her she's lovable as hell Love it. Um, all right. So, uh, Josh, one uh, quick thing that I saw uh, come through here that I know that you're, you know, pulling double duty, but we're getting a request to turn up you and Sam. So um, I don't know, you know, if I'm just eating my microphone or what. But um, If I don't you could uh, uh, find a way to either move back or turn your volume down a hair, I think that would put us all in equity. And then all I right. can just boost everything a little bit. How, how, how do we feel right there? Is that better? Um, is that closer? Uh, or is my microphone just really hot? Your microphone is doing a great job. All um, right. If we could, How's yeah, that? Yeah. Ease off another maybe half decibel. I think that would be perfect. Half decibel. I don't know how far half decibel is. I mean, I'm knocking my starting lineup figures off my desk now. I, I think right. I think we're probably we good? good there, and I'll just boost everything a little. Excellent. bit Excellent to balance it. Hey, out. we're doing it live, folks. We are. Like, we're figuring it out. Jo That's Josh is is yeah. Th this is what production is about. Uh, so there we go. So now I want to do before we leave the topic of the characters. Um, I want to, uh, uh, you know, Shakespeare said that brevity is the soul of wit. And, you know, there, there's the saying out there that, you know, uh, if I'd had more time, I would have written a shorter letter and, you know, all, all those kind of things. Right. And so here we go. I want to go around to each character and I'm going to name off the character again. And uh, you don't have to go in turns. So just, you know, whoever has the thought first. Uh, I want you to try to say one word 
that comes to mind when you think of the character. It can be a freight, like a compound word or, or phrase, um, but, um, but something just super, super short that comes to your mind when you think about that character. And um, I would love it if uh, also, you know, this is a request for chat out there. Um, and I'm putting our wonderful moderators on our team on the spot a little bit here, but I would love for you to try to help me capture what uh, what people are saying in chat as well, because we may use this in something in the future. So um, so when I name the characters, uh, you know, uh, in chat, feel free to to throw out a one word or, or a very short you know phrase uh, that that reminds you of of that character or or what comes to mind with that character. So word association here. All right, are we ready? We will uh, do the same order here. Theruza. I don't want to like overthink it. You know, right? You already are. You're right. The one off the top for me is animated. She is, when she is concerned, she is so much. When she's a little bit paranoid, she is so much. When she's enraged, she is so much. I love someone who in no way makes herself smaller. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, for Feruza. Um... Oh. See, this this is the whole concept at play. If I'd had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. It's yeah. very difficult to to sum something up in in a very succinct way like this. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and I, I think I'm gonna go with um facets because i think there are a lot of facets to who feruza is and i'm having a hard time picking which one to focus on so i'm going to go for all of them facets there you go or faceted um, if you'd prefer I'll, I'll participate um and i am just going to say for feruza i'm going to say power power comes to mind when i think of uh, feruza all right um next is mave Sly. It's it's sly. Um, it, I like that one. You would think first it's mischief. It's a word that Jenna's like really strongly associated the two together, but that doesn't fully encompass also the awareness. Hmm. Both of them are important. So yeah. I'm going with sly. Yeah, sly. In the same vein, I would say clever. Um, yeah. uh, but but I, I I also think there there's an element of whimsy. Mm. I yeah, like whimsy. I, um, I am going to say, and, uh, you know, some, sometimes, um, you know, I, I really want to clarify what I'm about to say, because I think sometimes this is a negative word and uh, it, pe people uh, bring a connotation to it that's negative. And I want to clarify that I mean it in about as positive of a way as, as you possibly could. And I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say vulnerable. Like, I, I think that there is something and, and you know, I don't think we've seen this fully yet. And I, I genuinely, I, I have no idea what's going to actually happen in our story. That's the magic and beauty of these games. But there is a vulnerability um, about Maeve that um, that I find, um, you know, and, and again, nothing loaded in this term, but but just very attractive as as a character. I, I think that it's it's fascinating that vulnerability that I'm seeing, you know, un, under the surface there. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's see who is next. So uh, Neb, 
ruined this for myself. I talked about her curiosity and how it drives her earlier when we were talking about favorite moments. But it's like, fine. That, Go that back to the tank. Her openness to experience is what drives every single bad idea, but also so many of these heroic moments and so many of the soft moments, too. Is this a friend? Only Neb asks. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, and no. I, I, I think... The, the, the two words that I would go with are either wonder or hope, both things that I said earlier, but I think those are both two things that Neb captures uh, very strongly. I would go with hope if I, if I had to choose just one. Yeah, I think that I would possibly say earnest uh, or, or sincere. Mm. Um, yeah, th th there's just this like uh, sincerity about uh about what i see from uh neb that is, is just really contagious and uh you know i think that it, it it serves as a great foil to some of the other characters um you know uh sincerity uh pairs really really well with with slyness you know and uh and, and that kind of thing and so uh i i think it, it is just this really great compliment so that that's what i will go with for her um all right uh that's silas Immediate association is land thief. You're just land thief. <laughs> I ever think of now. What a perfect goof to have been extended out. I uh. So there was a moment when Robin was uh, hmm. asked if Silas ever wanted to be uh, a pirate. I'm I'm more of a land thief. He says, uh, "I've stolen one ship," and Tepper's just like, "Stole a boat." <laughs> yeah but the the hopeful arc if there was anything i should want for you it's a thumb someday you should be the thief atar that you should uh be a water thief and a land thief and a fire thief and an air thief outer space thief yeah yeah thief. Hmm. all right so i feel like i need to add a little bit of context for what i mean by this here but i'm gonna say the word grizzled. And what I mean by that is that he comes into this adventure with a lot of life experience, particularly a lot of life experience that potentially comes with baggage in terms of uh, a seedy history and then kind of getting out of it and, and being above it. But he brings a, a depth of experience and also I think uh, the kind of uh, cynicism and practicality that someone who is grizzled uh, or, or who is, you know, seen everything the world has to offer. He's stared the void in the face and lived through it. Um, I, 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 that's, that's what I'm choosing with, with Silas. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, so, you know, this is, um, d describing a character that I play. So, you know, I, I know all the ins and outs of it. Uh, so I will say that, uh, for me, I will try to pick one that, you know, might reveal a little bit more. And, um, you know, I won't offer too much commentary on this, but I will say uncaring. Um, and and I, I think it's, you know, probably fairly clear what I mean by that so far. And it's not necessarily directed at people or anything. But, um, you know, I think there's something going on with Silas that um, he, he, he doesn't care what happens to him. He doesn't care what's next 
Uh, you know, there, there, there's something about that, and uh, and there are plenty of reasons that that uh, that, that word uh, comes to mind. And uh, I would love, and, and again, don't know what's going to happen in this story, and I love that, um, but I would love to see, um, you know, that that start to to change at some point in the future, and we'll we'll see what happens with that. Hmm. All right, um, and then again, last not least, Robin Beckett. going to say heart that's a good one carefree not just in in the sense of being light and breezy but that horrible thing that hope has worked into her character that i'm not that i feel a kind of way about and i dread as the story goes on the oh i've i've lived my time you know it's all right and putting yourself as as a pretext for putting yourself in danger um the it's carefree in a sense that too maybe it is ironic that a woman who cares so much should simultaneously be that's Robin. That say that's interesting because the word that came to mind for me, and you know, that's the thing is I'm nodding along when with you when you say carefree, um, but the word that came to mind for me was committed, um, and I and I think that you know potentially, you know, those things are are in opposition sometimes in the, when people think about them, but I I don't know if that's really the case for me because again I I do agree that she's carefree, but I also see this like level of commitment there. And, um, and so I see, you know, someone in uh, chat is saying anchor. And I think, you know, maybe that's a, a, a pretty metaphor for that, you know, that there, there is this grounding, but there's also a whole lot of slack in the chain, um, you know, and, and, you know, th there's a lot of movement that can happen, but at the core of it all, there's still this, this grounding to it. So, uh, so yeah. Very, very interesting. I appreciate everyone going through that exercise with me. And I appreciate, uh, I saw some great uh, words being thrown around in chat. And uh, like I said, uh, we'll go back if, if we missed any, we'll go back uh, through the VOD and we'll see uh, that, uh, you know, and again, no promises because I just get wild hairs sometimes, but we'll see if, uh, if, if that ends up in something in the future about these characters. Um, I can tell you, that I am fairly certain because, um, you know, we're going to go to a couple of questions from chat now, and I don't have this one in uh, this. Um, actually, yeah, we're going to go with this one because this one's for me, but I, I do want to share a little bit about this one. So uh, Kaliki Redbeard, Adam, how much time did you spend on these amazing songs and videos? I appreciate the amazing part there. I'm not sure about that, but um you know, honestly, on uh, both of them, um, I wish I had more time for these things, but both of them are like, you know, kind of weekend uh, things. I fit them in, you know, from Friday to Monday-ish most of the time when I do that. And part of that reason is because they're timely. Like I have to, I have to get them done before the story progresses too much further down or they're going to be out of date. And so um, that's what happens. But I am working uh, currently on writing a slightly more evergreen song 
um, that, you know, isn't as tied to some of the uh, things. And uh, I do want to share that, you know, uh, Hope is going to actually do that one as a duet with me. Um, and it may or may not have uh, some Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton um, vibes to it. Um, all right. So um, that is something to look forward to there. Uh, we're going to jump in here. And this one is for Sam from Tricky Bacon. That's the best kind of bacon, tricky. Sam, what's your favorite reveal from your interviews so far? Oh, um, when I found out that Hope had based Robin on a real person and had pictures and a whole story, and I, I tend to see on the Airte as my opportunity to wrest spoilers unwilling uh, from my gentle interviewees, but I don't go in expecting to, like, ruin my makeup cry. And yet, hope. Oh, sin of sins. I, I felt one whole metric feeling that whole interview. It was extremely unauthorized. It was extremely rude. And it was extremely wonderful. That is that is really a great moment. I remember that moment as well when I was watching the episode. I don't think I caught it live, but I uh, you know, caught up on it the next day. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, you know, hearing all of that. And uh, you know, I uh I, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, it was a little little, you know, damp and, and moist and, and wet where I was too. So, um, yeah, excellent. All right. This one is for Josh and Tricky Bacon is doing the heavy lifting out there. So thank you very much for doing a wonderful job of, you know, distributing questions to both guests. Um, so thanks for that. So Josh, what was the most surprising thing you've learned producing the show bonus question will you also show us trinket i don't know if trinket's around uh yes trinket my very cute dog is currently in the other room getting some quality time in with his mom uh so uh i can't grab him right now but i'll, I'll as a consolation prize uh put a picture on twitter or something there you go Perfect. um uh you know, I feel like there's two ways I could answer this question. And and the first way to answer it would be, uh, you know, I didn't expect to uh, learn an awful lot about trains. Um, but I, <laughs> I feel like I am pretty, like, knowledgeable about how steam engines work now all of a sudden. Um, uh, but uh, the, other, the other angle that I would go with this uh, is... Um, I've had the benefit of having, you know, conversations with the cast in the green room before stream and afterwards. I have a, a pretty strong idea, not just of where each of these characters are coming from and going to, but I also, um, because I get Deb's notes before we go places, have a strong idea of where the narrative might be going. And so um, one of the really cool things of that is I know where it's going and I know where we're coming from. And at the same time, I'm so pleasantly surprised watching that unveil itself along the way, because there's a difference between, you know, okay, all right, uh, bullet points, right? This is going to happen here. This is going to happen here. Um, uh, and having, you know, conceptual knowledge and then watching as 
the people uh, go through those experiences, um, it really takes a, a unique shape. And that's where I think uh, the most powerful storytelling happens is not in the, they fight X in Y place, but this is a conversation that happens in this moment uh, when you least expect it. You know, they're freezing to death, but have this heartfelt conversation about, um, you know, how how they've all kind of been brought together through this sheer coincidence. And, hey, actually, you know, like, all of these people are dead. Do we have shared trauma about that? Like, talk to me about that. So, twofold awesome. answer. So I'm going to uh, piggyback with one more uh, for, for you, Josh, here that I saw in Twitter. And it is uh, what sound effects are you most proud of adding in? And so I honestly don't know the process there. So I don't know if it is you adding those in or if that's but either way, like I think you can explain the situation and, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, get, get at the heart of that question. Yeah. Um, so for the most part, right, using Sirenscape, uh, I am using um, audio cues that are, are already uploaded from a variety of official packs and other, you know, uh, homebrewed packs that people have out there. Um, I would say anytime, like, I am putting together, you know, a soundscape for Blackwater Bay, for instance, you know, I probably spend an hour to an hour and a half, like, searching for every variation of ocean, beach, underwater, submarine, you know, and anything that I can find to find anything loosely associated um, and Deborah will often like give me, okay, I'm thinking like this, this, and this, uh, here's some thoughts for the place. Here's some things you can expect. And then, uh, I, I kind of fill out the, the, um, uh, skeleton with, um, a little bit more meat on the bones. Um, but I'm, I'm using mostly, uh, uh, sounds that people have already put together, um, in some capacity. I would say that the thing that I am most proud of, frankly, was experimenting with the concept of um, the absence of sound underwater. Um, I really tried to, like, during the descent and during a lot of the conversational moments while uh, the party was in the hab, um, keep things mostly silent, right? There's a little bit of like a hum of electronics in the background, but it's otherwise, you don't hear anything. And that's part of the tension of being underwater. Um, and so thinking through, you know, okay, how do I um, convey the, the gravity of this environment they're in, in the form of sound is, is a lot of fun actually. Um, uh, in, in a, a, a past life, I was an audio engineer and a lighting engineer for like live concerts and theater and stuff. So, um, I, I have a lot of fun, uh, uh, playing with storytelling through sound. I love one of the things that I can say about it too, is, you know, and again, for different productions and different types of games, there are different kinds of approaches here, but I love the approach that we're able to take where, the sound and the music is truly supplemental that that it is an additional layer it's not overpowering uh you know things because um you know i have certainly participated before when it was a little bit more distracting um you know in some some ways but but i think it it just adds so much uh to the proceedings and so uh, really great stuff all right so sam talking about this whole you know underwater 
apparently the sharks can hear you scream really, really well, uh, which are, you know, things that Adam does not know because I don't know how hearing works underwater, but um, I have heard a little rumor that you have, and I love how this rhymes, a diver's license. Um, so uh, the, the question in there is uh, with, with your background, so if you can share just a little bit, uh, geek out about um, all of that part, but then also, uh, you know, how do you think, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't have to grade her or anything, but you know, how, how did Deborah do with uh, gamifying uh, some of this, you know, uh, I, I can tell you as a player, it felt horrifying to me with this underwater, uh, you know, adventure that we just had. Yes. So I do have my diver's license. I've had my diver's license for roughly 20 years now. Um, so I have uh, dived probably a hundred tanks in all. Um, and it was, I, I cannot overstate my delight that this thing I love was represented so thoughtfully and so brilliantly. It must have felt uh, much like Hope felt in the Mines chapter, given that Hope has a caving background. That this one felt like it was written for me personally, Sam DeLev. And there were aspects of the gamification I never thought of as being potential moments of peril. Like the five minute safety stop at 15 feet is extremely real. And I don't know, I feel very safe underwater even more. I've never water. heard of that, by the way. Like I, I never, I've never heard of the bends. I've never heard of any oh. of those things. And so that was fascinating uh, for, for me to you know, learn, learn a little bit about that. It was really accurate. All of the gestures are accurate. The safety stop is accurate. Not going up too quickly is extremely accurate. Although you don't really want to stay too deep either, at least in a general tank. I have not personally uh, pressurized in an underwater habitat. Uh, that is a goal, but would presumably affect carbon dioxide accumulation in your blood, which more than the oxygen in the tank is what kind of time limits you. I'm from the from the days before dive computers. We had a little little spreadsheet of a table there. It was it was the bad old days. We're better now. We're better now. But I never thought that like oh staying five minutes underwater to to let everything sort of uh, pressurize out would be terrifying. And then there was a monster coming up your six. And then I realized, like, this place where I feel very safe, if you just put a single eldritch entity in there, suddenly somehow feels less safe. Uh, for what it's worth, it isn't, it, it's not that it never happens underwater. But their experience is rare, chat. Eldritch entities, quite rare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, glad to hear that. Um, Sam is laying out, uh, you know, the, the real stuff for us uh, here, here tonight. So, with that, um, you know, it, it feels like we're maybe out of the water now, but we really are just still on the shore. And so there is every possibility that we're going to end up back in the tank at, at, at some point. Um, and I do have to say that, you know, kind, kind of like, uh, you know, our blessed LeVar and, you know, uh, reading Rainbow and, and, and just this concept of always learning this is what fascinates me about these games is again, like I never knew anything about this stuff. It prompted me to go and look it up. 
Um, I, you know, Silas ended up creating one of these, uh, you know, scuba scooter, uh, you know, things at one point. I didn't even know what one of those was, but, you know, again, research because of this game that we play um, and, you know, always learning. So, so that is always great when that happens. But, um, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, the next leg of our journey takes us to, you know, the land of, of rainbows and kittens or something, and we can stay away from, you know, deep, dark, horrifying places. Let me check Deb's notes real quick. Yeah. So uh... I want to, uh, I, I want to maybe uh, one more question here for you, Sam. And unfortunately, Josh, you are disqualified from this because you've already explained to everyone that you get a little bit of foreknowledge of what, um, you know, Deborah's up to. And so I don't want to, you know, inadvertently, um, you know, signal anything for anyone, but I can't, I can confirm Sam, you know, you are uh, watching just like the audience out there. And um, I just love this kind of thing because this is the kind of speculation that we always have with shows that we enjoy watching and everything else. What do you think is, is going to happen here. What what is your speculation this deep into the story? Because we're you know forty episodes in, uh, some odd now. What do you think is going on to these people who are in this place? And and what do you think is next? Uh, well, so there is there's been a bunch of speculation from the party themselves about the nature of this extra dimensionality of whether going back is salient or even possible, but that's not a thing that NPCs have brought up. When I speculate, I tend to try to read the GM. And yes, sometimes that's reading the poker face that they attempt to make while you speculate wildly in front of them and forcing them to hold that poker face is a source of tremendous joy for near every player, I can only imagine. Um, but unfortunately, Deb is, is, a, is a professional actor and therefore extremely good at holding it. Uh, I think that there is a significance specifically to people who are from the place we are from, the like OG prime material plane, uh, the like here where the interview is happening, where the characters come from, um, and its interaction with this world that you are in now has had at some point something fundamentally pathological in it um, as represented uh, symbolically by the shards, a broken mirror, um, that the relationship between these worlds is what is broken and that's why you need the children of Erte. There are a lot of things we could call y'all. There's a lot of things we could call the show. But when Deb first launched this thing, the thing that she's presenting as the thing we should know about it is that y'all are children of Erte. That is significant. Where you are from and what you are is significant. And we're going to see the exact nature how, but I don't think this is the first time. After all, the people calling you that had to have learned that word at some time, somewhere, before you. Yeah. We can yeah. be heroes if just for one day. Yeah. I understood that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right. Excellent. All right. We're, we're about out of time here. Um, and uh, we've got, uh, you know, one other question that, uh, you know, we don't have to spend too much time here, Sam, but it's a great question. And it kind of slid in right here at the end. Uh, and I would love, I personally would love to hear your thoughts here. So we're going to jump to it. Cole 12 Monks, Sam, what would you say to someone who is very curious about aquatic life, but is fearful of the lack of control while underwater? how to overcome fear for the sake of experiencing inner spring. One of the beautiful things about training for something like scuba is that there is so much preparation that goes into it. I went incredibly hard into my divers classes uh, to just kind of cram for my diver's license initially, but there are entire textbooks, there are entire classes, things you do in the pool, then things you do in the ocean, sometimes interspersed, uh, that there is a degree of control from preparation. That the more you know about something, the more you can develop contingencies, you know what you need to do. There's a nice little flow chart of if this, then that, that itself helps to restore some feeling of control and to take away what I think is often a driving power behind fear of underwater, namely fear of the unknown. By knowing more, it's the, you know exactly what it is that scares you and you can make plans to do something about it and how to engage in ways that will help ease you into it. I I started this when I was I was a young teenager. I didn't know much, but by learning, I felt control even in a completely unfamiliar biome like the sea. I love it. Absolutely love it. Thanks so much. We've got one other question that's not um, you know, technically uh, completely inbounds, but I'm going to allow it because we are going out for the show here. How did Sam and Josh become so awesome? I'm not sure that we could ever fully answer that question and do it justice. Thank you so much for, um, you know, uh, the, the, you know, turning the tables here tonight and, uh, and being great, great, great sports um, and indulging, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot. I mean, like you have both watched this show and again, like, you know, I was telling, I think my wife, uh, because, uh, you know, she was asking like, um, you know, what are you going to uh, ask about and, and, and that kind of thing. And I was like, you know, honestly, I would imagine Sam and Josh probably know what's going on more than Adam does because, you know, I, I sometimes, uh, you know, miss something that a player says, but uh, the, the perspective of being able to kind of see it all, uh, you know, as, as a, a, a cohesive whole is really, really something. And so I appreciate you joining me tonight and uh, for the excellent answers. Uh, did see in chat, uh, you know, people are talking about happy first contact day. I know that uh, probably all three of us celebrate that tomorrow. It also happens to be my birthday. Um, so uh, happy uh, first contact day to everyone um, out there who celebrates and um, and you know I am actually turning the answer tomorrow um, oh. so like I have no idea what what's going to happen but I think that the universe is going to do something really really special um, and uh, and so I'll, I'll keep everybody posted to see what happens um, you know after after that transitional moment uh, yeah, in my yeah. life tomorrow. 
Or there's a super highway, one of the two. Could, could be, could be. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But thanks so much for both of you for joining me. I'm going to let you both um, say uh, outros here. So we will start with you, Josh. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm the community manager here at Demiplane. Uh, come talk with me in chat every stream that we do here on Demiplane. Uh, otherwise, you can follow me personally at Joshua M. Simons or check out my website, which is permanently under construction, joshuamsimons.com. And Sam. Sam to love role-playing performer and variety streamer throughout the Twitcher net, the schedule for which is on my twitch.tv uh, about page, D-E-L-E-V-E-L-Y. You can also, if you enjoyed hearing aquatic stuff, I have a new video up on my YouTube about how fish sense each other's fear and their empathy uh, works much the same way as humans. It is part of my May Contain Science series from my Tuesday morning streams clipped now to YouTube, youtube.com slash at Delevely. I love that. And I'm going to watch that now. I didn't, I didn't know that existed. So, uh, so thank you for that. Um, I have been Adam Bradford. I'm the CDO here at Demiplane. And um, I am going to call out that tomorrow I'm getting to play on my birthday. I'm going to be joining the Misfits. So Hope Lavelle runs a wonderful game on Wednesday evenings. And I can't wait to play Captain Wilm Scott-Free, um, who is, is, it's going to be a lot of fun. Nightmares come to life in this show, and uh, and his nightmare is a pretty unique one. So uh, so look at looking forward to tomorrow night, six p.m. Pacific on uh, this is how we roll. I hope that I said that That's right. That's how we roll. That's how how we roll. That's how we roll. Um, so so that'll be tomorrow night at six p.m. Pacific. Thanks everyone so much for joining us tonight. Thanks again, Josh and Sam. We have been on the air today. Later, Gators. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of Erte. To learn more about Demiplane, visit demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.